Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. This week on TWIP, smart glass could transform smartphone cameras, a new iOS app, Shutter, offers unlimited cloud storage for free, and a discussion about the future of photography. It's Monday, July 7th, 2014, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on the show to discuss the world of photography and more are Mr. Martin Bailey and Mr. Julio Shorio. Hey, dudes. How you doing? How's it going, man? It's going great. It's good to see you. Martin, you haven't been on in a while. I haven't seen you in forever. You've been uh, you've been petting snow monkeys again. What's going on? No, no I was uh, I was here I was here last month. It was uh, it's been a month. That's probably what it it's is. Been, you know, yeah, it feels like it's been about a month. It seems like I see you more often than that. What's so what's <laughs> what's what's been happening in the last month? Oh well, I uh, I got started in the Arcanum, which is which has been a blast. Um, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, Congratulations. My, thanks. Yeah, um, got the. The cohorts up to the full numbers now, and we're rolling, doing critique sessions and things. And it's been a it's been a good uh, good experience so far, and I'm looking forward to continuing with that. Um, also, just released uh, information on a, a new Namibia tour next year, which is uh, which is going to be amazing. Oh, it's this pretty much the same tour that I did last year, um, but uh, we've got a few changes, and it's like uh, 16 days in total. So it's a it's a good wow. length tour as well. Yeah. Wow, you've been playing around, right? Sixteen days. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's definitely uh, one of those one of those tours that you you know you leave home and you get back feeling like a year older, but uh, <laughs> it, it's good. It, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to getting started on that as well. But you you get back home feeling a year older and with a lifetime of experiences and new friends exactly. and great photos, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's it's uh, it's a good experience. I, I'm doing that with a, a friend, the same the same guy that I was there with last year, Jeremy Woodhouse, um, really experienced uh, photographer, and you know, it's it's great teaming up with him. Cool. And then the, that is that posted already on your site at Martin Bailey Photography. Yeah, um, it cycles through on the the top screen. But uh, if anyone's interested, if you go to mbp.ac/namibia2015. And that'll take you straight over to Jeremy's site, and you can take a look at the details there. Okay. Yeah, and well, that's a lot to remember if people are driving, so we'll just link to it in the show notes for okay. this episode. So, cool. Well, awesome. Welcome back on the show, Bird. Thanks. And Mr. Julio Shorio, what's going on, man? Smallcamerabigpicture.com. What's happening? Oh, man, just uh, getting over the 4th of July the weekend. It was quite uh, an adventure, to say the least. Um and uh, uh, just like Martin was saying, I'm also uh, proud to be one of the masters of the Arcanum. I'm kind of like a master in training. So I still haven't quite learned to dodge the spears or walk <laughs> across the, the rice paper without leaving a trace. But I'm getting there. I'm getting You're there. getting there. You're getting I'm there. Getting there. Yeah. yeah. And what's going on shooting-wise? What have you been, what have you been up to photography-wise? Um, I've been experimenting with uh, a lot of abstract types of animation, nothing I've actually really released yet. I got some kind of stuff on Instagram, but I'm just um, 
I've, I'm so inspired by the era of photography that we're in that I'm really rethinking everything. Uh, do I need to be a specialist in portraits, or can I now go into being a generalist and do uh, fine art abstracts and then portraits, and can all this be commercially viable? And you know, so my, I'm trying to answer all these questions by uh, creating with uh, uh, sometimes I'm actually making my own lens. And um, wow. it's, pretty, it's pretty rad. I'll have to show you what I'm done. It's it's in, it's in progress. Um, and I bought some like this really old uh, kaleidoscope lens, which is like this big, and it connects to the front of the GH4. And I'm doing all this experimental stuff. So we'll see where it goes. But wow. uh, it's, it's you are exciting. you are the true multimediographer. Then it sounds like you are dabbling and all. Pretty soon you'll be like splattering paint on the front of your lens to see what kind of effects. <laughs> We used to do Vaseline. Remember, I don't know if you remember the colored yeah, Vaseline. Yeah. I remember that. So uh, maybe uh, we'll, we'll get back into that. Yeah. Wow. Hey, analog is where it's at, man. Bring it on. It is. It All is. Right. All right, guys. Before we jump into the news, we got a bunch of cool stuff to talk about. I want to thank the first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our friends over at Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. And remember, the new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates, tap and drag images to change layouts, and monitor comments on the go. You can start a free trial. You don't need a credit card. You can start building your website today. Then, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just make sure to use the offer code TWIP, that's T-W-I-P, to get a full 10% off and to show your support for this week in photo. And we'd like to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, guys, this first story is about smart glass, um, and the headline is smart glass could transform your smartphone cameras. Now, I want to differentiate this smart glass because I recently got an Xbox One, and there is the the Xbox app that goes on your phone and your iPad or whatever device you have, and it's called smart glass. So this is not that smart glass. This is actually glass that has intelligence. So you can basically, according to the article, you can it has an electrochromic material that is sometimes referred to as smart glass that when you apply a current to it or heat to it or light to it or some other stimuli to this glass, it does things. In the case of photography, it can darken itself, right? So which means it's kind of an aperture in some ways, right? Or at least a neutral density filter, right? Though mm. so, this is interesting when I saw this, because you start, we start, we talk about all these different technologies on This Week in Photo a lot, from the Lytro light field camera to, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, calculations within the camera to do things like fake depth of field and predictive, all this cool stuff that seemed to be coming to the fore. Now we're seeing glass that can do these cool kinds of things. Martin, I want to throw it to you first. When you see something like this, is this, I mean, because there's two sides of the fence. You know, when you talk to photographers, they seem to be bifurcated in terms of on the left side, there's the purists. You know, if you touch anything 
if it's not, you know, glass and silver halides, then it's not real photography. Then on mm. the right side, there's me. <laughs> there's like, <laughs> there's technology. Bring it on, man. Let's, you know, let's create all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff and use all the gear and all this stuff. Where mm. do you fall in that? And does this smart, smart glass scare you, or do you like, you know, whatever? This is another gimmick. Yeah. No. No. I. I don't think it's a gimmick. I think it's, you know, in the 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 usage case the use cases that they're talking about in the article you know that it looks as though they're actually um they're they're using it to actually form an aperture uh, for, for for smartphones so you know you, they they probably can apply a current in a certain way that it actually makes a circle that they can increase the size of or decrease the size of so exactly you know yeah. I mean they, they touch on it in there that they they could, what it will basically allow them to do is to put in wider bigger optics in the phone. Um, Without having to go into all of the the mechanical side of actually having a you know a mechanical leaf based aperture in there, and so you know if you can if you can build an aperture in, then it basically gives you the ability to either have white, bigger lenses, bigger optics, and then obviously that leads to shallow depth of field. But then you still need a way to make the aperture smaller, or you know to let less light in in bright conditions. And I think there's, there's, that's probably the immediate thing that they're going to work wanting to do in, but. As you touched on as well, the the possible I don't know how granular the you know once you start to change pixels or pigment in glass things like that, however it's done I'm not sure how fine that is but if it could be used as a neutral density filter, I can also see them perhaps building in a I don't know maybe a a, a one to twenty stop um, yeah. uh, you know neutral density filter in a uh, in a DSLR just have that sitting over the over the sensor or at the back or you know maybe build them into the lenses but that seems a little bit like the wrong, the wrong way to do it at this point yeah. um, but no I mean I'm definitely like you I if there's I don't necessarily jump on every piece of technology but I'm I'm a I'm a techie I love I love to see the new stuff coming along yeah. um, I think that it can be gimmicky but you know th this probably will just help them to take smartphone cameras to the to the next level which is which is going to be a good thing I mean yeah. I, I don't use my smartphone for much more than I'll take the art, what I consider artistic photo, but um, as in occasional artistic photo. But um, I, I'm not, I'm not a big on my on smartphone photography because to me it just doesn't seem as though the quality is quite there. But you know, things like this are definitely going to take it. I was saying the same thing about mirrorless two, three years ago, and and now they're there, they're ready. Yeah. So you know, it's one of those things that's going to just propel propel it into the next um, put smartphone photography into the next level, really. It's funny, it you know. I didn't, I didn't think about this because I, I remember, man, a couple of years ago, I was in New York City at some restaurant or bar or something, and I remember going into the restroom, and the restroom area was lined with male and female down one row, and all the glass in to go this, the doors to the stalls were glass, mm. but they would soon as she, soon as they detected a body in there and the door shut, it would instantly yeah. go opaque. You yeah, know, I yeah. thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Like, you know, I need this in out. my house, you know? Yeah. You know. You know, they've got those in Japan, and they're actually in the middle of the street. Um, and you just you get in, and you're, you're surrounded by crowds of people, and then you close the door, and it's... <laughs> ooh. And it's yeah. a restroom? You actually... Yeah, it's a restroom. Um, I, I've only seen it on the news, but there's, you know, it's one of those things people are queuing up to get in. And, but, wow. you know, that looks like... That, that might be a ripe target for hacking, I'm just saying. Exactly. I mean, you, you can just imagine <laughs> you, get, you get in there and, um, you know, start doing your business, and the next thing, that like, the power goes down. I imagine they've got some sort of a, a safety thing where if the power goes off, they stay, they stay dark, they stay yeah. awake. But, yeah. 
yeah. there's it's but uh, you know that aside it's fun technology it is i mean you could see the the technology in cars imagine if you could just you know dim your your you know have your windows tint depending yeah. on how strong the sun is or how legal it is in the particular state you're driving through <laughs> You know? Oh yeah, there'd be some fun legislation around that, but um, yeah, it's, it's it, the possibilities are pretty pretty huge. It's crazy, Julio. What about you? I know you saw this, and you're like, okay, I need this in all my mirrorless cameras right now. Uh, infinitely variable neutral density filter that I can preset. Would you would you use something like this, or is it uh, you know just 100%. a little bit too much tech? No, no, I, I would. I, I mean, in as far as having filters built into my lenses, I would use it 100. percent I mean, more so than just a neutral density filter. What if I was shooting black and white and I can add a true yellow filter? Or what about a circular polarizer? That, that's how I would envision using this technology. Um, off the bat, like if it's, whether it's gimmicky or not, really depends on the application that's developed for the technology. But, you know, initially I think, okay, well, wait a second. I had this technology in my Casio watch like in the 80s, right? <laughs> light turns it. on. LCD. LCD. LCD, light turns off. So it seems like it's a, a, on the surface. It's, you know, I don't want to trivialize the, the, the technology, but it seems like it's a, a more advanced version of a basic um, LCD sandwich between uh, glass. Maybe I'm, I'm sure it's more to it than that. I don't um, know. It sounds exactly like that, actually. I mean, you apply a current and things go from not on to an on state. That is okay. LCD technology, right? It, so. it kind of also reminds me of the transition glasses, the uh, the eyeglasses. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I yeah, I think it could be really cool. It just depends on on how they apply it and what technology partners they uh, uh, use uh, to integrate that into... Say like um like like a really really small like uh, GM one or something with a lens that has all sorts of cool features. I I don't know, but something to that or, effect. Or the next iteration, or maybe you know version three of Google Glass, right? So yeah. actually have glasses that can turn opaque and then project and then turn clear and I don't know. I'm no futurist, but it just sounds cool. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. I don't know. It's I mean, you know, there's there's all these these innovations coming that, you know, it feels like I I always say this, it feels like we were born too early. You know, maybe not you, Julia, <laughs> but it feels like it feels like we were born too early and all this cool stuff's gonna hit right as I, you know, my EKG thing is going flat or something. You'll get your your uh, what is it, the the, the trans you'll be transcendent uh, yes. whatever. The uh, Transcendent Frederick, you know. I saw that movie, by the way, that uh, the Johnny Depp movie that's out on iTunes now, Tr- Transcendence. Horrible. Horrible. Anyway, but, you know, well, it you experiments. Can... It talks about the whole the whole idea of the singularity, you know, the, the merging of processing power or processing power surpassing brain power and then you know, computers being smarter than we are and, you know, all that stuff. That that part of it is interesting, but I think they went overboard with the psi in the phi. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the some of the phi didn't necessarily mesh with the psi, you know, on that movie. <laughs> one, one quick thought about, about those bathrooms. I'm thinking, what if the power goes off? And yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you're kind of doing your business or something. That's right. That's why it would have to, you know, the legislation would have to state that if you're going to put in this kind of technology, the default state has to be 
opaque. Yeah, when power's on, you can control on and off, but default is opaque, I think. Makes sense. I, I would say that the default should be what what it was in when the power went off, because if it, if you like you were saying, Frederick, if it's in the the windshield of a of a car and the and the power goes off, <laughs> yeah, obviously you you've you're, you've got your own power in the car. But if if something goes wrong and the default is opaque, you oh okay, <laughs> crash. That so, could lead to some recalls. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, I sit corrected. Thank you, Martin. That would uh, that would that would end badly. Yeah, <laughs> especially in glasses as well. You know, you power, your battery runs out, and now you're blind. You can't see anything. Yeah. You're on a motorcycle. You know? so. <laughs> all right, all right. Enough about that. We should name the show this week in future type stuff, or bounce yeah. this topic over to Leo on this week in tech. They can talk about. It. <laughs> All right, guys, so story number two is about an iOS app. It's called Shutter. So last fall, a company called Stream Nation released a cloud storage solution that was targeted at photographers and videographers, and the cloud service allowed you to back up a variety of file formats, including RAW, all for a very reasonable price. Unlimited plans were $20 per month. The news is now they've released a new camera app for iOS called Shutter, and along with the app, they're now including free unlimited, those two words don't generally go together and there's always an asterisk somewhere, but free unlimited cloud storage with a bunch of other features. Originally they were going to offer just five gigabytes of storage, but Amazon and Jeff Bezos and crew over there announced their Fire Phone with unlimited cloud storage and Stream Nation then changed their game and said they're going to offer unlimited for free. So, Julio, what are your thoughts on this? So, this is this seems to be the latest sort of player to show up to the cloud storage party and try to woo us photographers to pull all put all our stuff in the cloud. You know, I feel like I'm leading the witness with my sort of derogatory <laughs> tone. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. This is an awesome solution, Julio. Would you use this? I'm I'm definitely going to experiment with it. I I am I love cloud services and I I store a lot of my stuff uh, between Google Drive and Dropbox. I can't decide which one I like more. You know, they're both fantastic services. Then we have, and this is the one thing that's keeping me from really digging into anything else, we have the new, what is it, iCloud Drive coming out mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in the fall, which is, reminds me of the, remember the old .Mac uh, Drive that they had back in the day? Yeah. So... Yeah. I think that's yeah, kind of I drive and all that. You know, but I'm sure Apple doesn't want you to remember that cuz that never worked right. So hopefully this will work right. But, you know, cuz they've had time to get it right. So this should be bulletproof. But yeah, the I think, iDrive and all that stuff was uh was not a good scene. I'm curious. I mean, if I'm shooting if it takes if I can upload to the service from the camera roll, then that means that I can shoot a ton of stuff in 4K with with uh GH4 or whatever and connected to my iPad, have it back up online, that's cool. But I consider the cloud drives to be a, like an individual hard drive, so I don't put all my eggs in one basket. So I don't have everything on, on, on uh, Dropbox, and I don't have everything on Google Drive. I kind of mix it up. So yeah. Um, yeah. free space is really appealing, but... You, you can know. get that everywhere. I mean, you can get that from Box. You, uh, uh, Microsoft is offering free space with their, with their OneDrive and... It's free, free, the cloud, there's a lot of clouds, apparently. So <laughs> there's a lot of space in the cloud to put our stuff. So the, I think the question is, does this woo you to, to use their app? 
to to upload through it. And and I didn't see. I know they were talking about raw files initially, but I don't know are raw files included now? And do you have to copy raw files to your iOS device and then pump them up to their cloud? Which is you know how how would that that whole thing work? Seems like bandwidth is a limiting factor here. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, if you're on the go, you know, like I have all my my devices connected with uh, with 4G, but that data would get eaten up like in in an oh, afternoon. I shot, even. Shot, it's over. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't know. I, I think it's you know, the thing is raw raw photos are not built into iOS 7. I believe they will be in iOS 8, but not in iOS 7. So. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, and, and as far as once you get the raw file into their service, what what can you do with it at that point? Are you able to just kind of download it, say, into your Lightroom library? I'm not sure. And then, and then, Martin, I'll throw it back to you now. So when, so considering all this, so Julio's optimistic about this. Is you know, but me being my you know devil's advocate, sort of pessimist self, I look at this. I'm like, well. Why not just wait till you get home and copy it over? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. why? I mean, is this is this a uh, you know a cure in search of a disease, or is it something mm -hmm. innovative? Uh, I think it, it's a marketing tactic. Um, you know, they it says in the article that the main reason that they're giving free space in the phone app shutter is so that they can woo people into the Stream Nation paid plan. Of course, um, and yeah. that, you know that's that's a that's a fair enough uh, thing to do, and I'm. I think that for a lot of people, it will be a, a really, it'll be a good system, um, good service. The you were saying earlier about, you know, what do you do with your with your raw files? I mean, I think right. the thing is, you've really got to have the the PC version or the you know the the computer, uh, Mac, PC, whatever version, uh, the paid version probably. I mean, the plans are um, relatively competitive, uh, but to get to unlimited. You you know the twenty well nineteen dollars a month unlimited plan, mm -hmm. um you know when you think about it, I I don't need personally I don't need cloud for my um for my backup. I mean I, right. I use Backblaze and Backblaze is like forty five dollars a year if you do sign up for two years, fifty dollars mm -hmm. a year. I've got seven terabytes of data in on Backblaze. Um, <laughs> so they love you, don't they? Yeah. Well, they probably I'm probably one of their uh, less um. Economic or, or less, you know. Yeah, you're the, you're the rounding error. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. You know. So they're probably basing that fifty dollars on on your average person that's probably going to put a few a few hundred gigabytes up there max. But, you know, the thing is with that though is that it takes. If I was to start to upload that again now, even with a computer on twenty four seven, it's still going to take me at least three or four months, maybe even a year or so, to get that in, back into the cloud. So, so once you've got that amount of data, you don't want to be switching it around. But I think that for a consumer or maybe a prosumer user that has, uh, you know, the difference obviously with Backblaze and this is that Backblaze doesn't really, you can access files, but it's not like a cloud drive. And the, the Stream Nation solution actually seems like, looking at their website, it looks as though they're, they're tying in pretty well with Lightroom and they've got this, they, they keep pushing the, the really nice um, timeline view and things like that. So. It's, I mean, Backblaze. I can, I can upload anything that I want. Um, with this, it's really imagery. Um, so if you, if you're looking for a cloud solution that is, is image centric and has some nice bells and whistles, then you know, $19 a month is not, not over the top. And you could argue that Backblaze is too cheap anyway. Um, so I, you know, money-wise, I think it's okay. But I think that the, it's one of those things that you've just got to make a decision. If, if you 
really are looking for a media server or some sort of a not server server, you know, somewhere to sh to keep and share your media across devices. I think it, it could be a it could be a solution. Yeah, um, I, I just I'm just trying to I'm trying to understand it because I think most of the people on the planet are either using Android you know, and Google or Apple and iOS, right? So, and each of those companies have awesome solutions <laughs> for uploading images and sharing them online. So, and then Apple's offering is going to get even stronger, you know, when they, when they come out with iOS 8 and the new Photos app and, you know, all mm. the innovations that they're doing over there. Is this, and by, by this company making the move to go to free for their unlimited plan, is this them saying, okay, Let's get as many people locked in and paid and subscribed as quick as possible before iOS 8 hits. Because once that hits, our you know our chances of getting new customers is going to drop dramatically. Is that you think is that plausible, or is this something? Am I missing something with regard to what Google and Apple are already offering? Well, I I think you you know it, it's definitely possible that that's what's happening. Um, yeah. I don't know what the changes are going to be in iOS 8 um, or in the, you know, in the in the upcoming um, Mac OS release. Yeah. I think that there's, at the moment, the iCloud is still relatively expensive as as far as cloud storage is concerned. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I mean, I I don't actually use cloud storage um, other than Dropbox. I use Dropbox, and Dropbox is not cheap. If you want to go over 50, I think it's 100 gigabytes now. You get you get in the the base account. Um, yeah. The free account's like two gigabytes, something like that. But if you pay for it, then 100 gigabytes not a lot either. But I, you know, personally, if I need to share photos, all I do is I've got every, all of my images in my library are backed up into a into two Drobos. I actually, you know, my my um, fault tolerant Drobo, I I don't trust to the point where it's my only backup. Um, I've actually got two. I've got two Drobos that mirror each other. So I've got fault tolerance with, um, but then one of those is hooked up to Backblaze, and everything that sits on that Drobo goes into the cloud. That's great. Um, that's great. And so, so th I mean, that's like me covered as far as backups is concerned. But what I do though, it to when I want to actually share images, I I I've started to use Lightroom, uh, the Lightroom portable app. You know that that oh, actually, yeah. that's actually turning out. We we spoke about it last. I think it was last month when I came, and um, I. I've started using that now, and apart from the fact that I can't use it for videos, it's actually a really good app, and it's a great way to show people images. Mm -hmm. um, what, I, what I've been doing so far, and I'll probably continue to do, is when I've when I've gone through a, my images from a shoot, I will just export a a JPEG, a full-size JPEG file, to a folder on my hard drive, and the moment I plug my phone back into the into the uh, a sync port or my iPad, it automatically syncs those folders those um, New JPEGs to my phone and my, um, everything anyway. Nice. So you know, I, I'm pretty much covered. And um, I think the the people that are going to benefit from this sort of thing the most are the people that don't really um, either want to spend the time figuring that out, or you know, they they really just want a much simpler solution. So it, I think it really depends on how organized your your digital workflow is, and right. you know, some some people are going to benefit from it. Yeah. Now, now, Julie, you, Julio, you come, you come at it from the opposite end of the spectrum. Like Martin, you look behind him there. He's got prints, right, and physical, <laughs> physical ink on paper back there, which is awesome. You don't do that, right? You're, you're not a printing person. You're digital. You're online. You're sharing. Mm -hmm. And I remember you and I sitting down one time, and I forget what state we were in, but we were having a conversation about your workflow. 
and you're like, you know, everything is digital, even billing, you know, and it's just, it just happens. You capture digitally, you share it digitally, you get paid digitally. When you see something like this from these guys as a digital photographer, you know, for lack of a better phrase, what is, I mean, is this like, okay, this is awesome. This is a move in the right direction, unlimited. I'm going to put all my stuff over there. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, certainly a move in the right direction, but it, it does make me question what do they know uh, that we don't know about what's coming in the fall or what's coming from, from, you know, from, from Apple or from yeah. Google because, you know, that, that, that's telling. If they're like, dude, we're, we're just going to give away the farm. It's all free. So then, I mean, of course, we know that they have their, their premium accounts, but where else are they going to make money from? Is it going to be... Uh, they're they're going to be using my images to make money from. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, oh yeah. Where's the stock photography business starts up? Uh oh. Boy, what what a great resource. I mean, so the thing is, uh, we're, people are shooting more photos than ever before, and the hard drive has become like this this digital shoebox in a way. Whereas we put our photos onto this hard drive, and then we never look at them again. And for people that are educated with Lightroom or, unfortunately, uh, rest in peace, Aperture, uh, or whatever, you know, in the workflow, they can organize it. But for the majority of the photographers out there, the majority of consumers are shooting either on a camera to the phone or even more so just with their phone, and they need to organize their, their images. And that is, is something that, that no one's really figured out quite how to how to do well the killer app doesn't exist in, yeah. in the world of, of cloud storage so I, it's, it's like a race to to that to the next billion dollar purchase from facebook because someone <laughs> someone will come up with this app and i'd like oh my god this is the answer right. and maybe it's somewhat automated you know who knows and but then they'll get gobbled up by uh by zuckerberg and and, and, and crew i think know. i think we think about this and you know, the, as we progress through this conversation, I'm thinking there are two different conversations to be had here, right? So there's the the pro workflow, which is what we're doing, right? So, you know, you have raw images and you have terabytes or, in Martin's case, petabytes of data that you need to keep in the cloud, you know, and that's it's a professional workflow, which is, I would say, substantially different from a consumer based workflow where you're taking you're the Facebooker, you're taking pictures, you're putting them on Facebook, Instagram, you're doing videos on Vine, you know, you're having fun, you got pictures of the kids' first steps, you want to share that with grandma. That kind of thing is different than having paying clients that are expecting excellence and you need redundancy of your raw images just in case, right? So mm -hmm. is this and I would argue as we we talked about before with Apple, Apple in particular and I'd say Google, too, are going after that consumer base, right? It's, the, it's mm. not necessarily the professionals out there. It's, mm. it's, you know, here are professionals, and there's a level down, the advanced amateurs and semi-pros, and then down from that, the, the pyramid base gets bigger when you start with people that are just getting excited about photography, and then they're buying, and now they want to learn this. And, you know, that's a big chunk of people, right? Mm. So maybe these guys, I mean... And the other guys are looking at those people as this is the target, and there's more than enough of those people to go around, right? Maybe. Oh, 100%. There, there is more, way more money in consumers with photography than there is with professionals. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the whole career of being a professional photographer where you do nothing but make images and sell them, that, that career is, 
becoming increasingly difficult by the hour yeah, yeah. for that to be your sole um, um, income stream. And it would be a mistake for any photographer to say, oh, I'm just going to make all my money off of just selling images. But right. a consumer, they're just like snapping pictures of everything, and they don't want to organize it. They want it done for them. They want simplicity. And that, like you said, is where, where the money's at. And it's smart of these companies to go after the consumers because it's, it, I think the, the money that comes from those consumer technologies could potentially go upstream and work its way into the world of professional photographers. Yeah. Yeah, and then you look at, speaking of professional photographers, Martin, you look at folks like Smug Mug, Zenfolio, Photo Shelter, those guys are on the other side, right? So they're, mm. they've got a professional workflow, you know, um, notwithstanding raw images in some cases, right? So are they sort of protected against this kind of, I mean, do they, they don't necessarily care about the consumer or the you know, the happy snapper on that side, they'd probably want to avoid those people because, you know, like Smug Mug, it's a paid service. Those mm. people aren't coming to you. So is that the future? Is that the split right there where we have, you know, companies like this company, what was their name, Stream Nation and Google and Apple and Adobe in some cases servicing the consumers and then Adobe with their foot in both both sides mm. and then Smug Mugs and Folio and Photo Shelter servicing the pros on the other mm. side. Is that is that the mix you think could be that could happen? I I think it could be, but I'm I'm probably not the best person to talk about that cuz I've never really got I used to do photo shelter and mm -hmm. I was never impressed with their raw manage, raw um processing. They actually ignored all of the uh, any changes that you made to raw files. So um I, for a while I used to have a, a pretty good workflow where I would um I'd do all of my ch changes I'd have I'd do all of my my dust removal and stuff like that, and then upload it to uh, Photo Shelter, and then see all of my dust on the photos in the system. And I, I asked them about it. They they didn't have a way of actually passing the XMP files and things like that. So I had to go. I had to move to JPEG with my my Photo Shelter account. That was a year or so ago. I I actually closed that account when I when I started doing all of my stock through Offset. Um, mm -hmm. But I they they may have. Uh, change that now, so I'm not sure. Uh, but it was I, I enjoyed working with Photo Shelter. They're a great team. They they really uh, there's a lot of things that they do to support. You know, they do a lot of education. Um, so I'm pretty sure that probably Smug Mug um, is, is doing similar sort of stuff. I I've never really used it, so I can't say for sure. sure. But I, I think that I think that it's really a different service, and I doubt that many people are considering I know that you could but I don't think that many people are going to be considering a photo shelter or a smug mug or a, what was the other one you mentioned that Zenfolio, uh, Zenfolio yeah. yeah yeah I I I doubt that people are considering that their backup I know that you could but you know it's I think it's a backup if you ever got had something catastrophic happen um mm. but I don't, I don't think they're really competing because they're they're really different objectives um I agree with what Julio's saying that you you know we it's probably more for people that don't want to figure it figure it out for themselves uh, and you know just if if it's backed up in the cloud if if everything that you own is actually in this stream nation service um it would worry me more not not for the fault tolerance it would worry me more if they just went away yes you know cuz yeah. the the they're not they're, they're statements they're not going to sell your work and stuff like that 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 would be suicide but I think that they 
you know, the, the, the goal of the free app is really to get you into the Stream Nation plans. And once you're in there, you know, I, I would much, you still didn't, you'd be foolish to have that be your only backup. You'd, you'd really got to make sure that it's a backup of something that you've got locally. And if that's the case, then I don't think it's the best solution because Backblaze is much cheaper and you still get a backup. So it, it really is for the consumer that wants to actually access their, their work from multiple devices really easily. Um, but again, I mean, I mentioned earlier about the way I do it, where I, where I drop my final JPEGs into a folder. That folder, although it's specified in iTunes to, to sync to my iPad and my iPhone, it's actually in Dropbox. So it, that automatically sends it to everything else as well. So they're all sort of interlinked. And I think if, once you've figured out a few things like that, you don't necessarily need this kind of service. Yeah, I think I think you hit it right on the head with the with the the fright thing because that's what scares me when I see a service like, you know, like Stream Nation, and I'm sure they're awesome, and I'm sure they have the best intentions, and they're gonna they're gonna crush it as much as they can. But then, you know, the consumer and the photographer in me looks back historically on all the the carcasses along the road of tech, <laughs> you know, that are back there that were you know that had great intentions and. Now they're gone, like MySpace and all these other guys. You know, so you know, no offense, MySpace. I know you're still kicking, but you know, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking like, okay, it's gonna have to be something. It's gonna have to be a golden goose in there for me to want to commit my images and raw files to you, even if it's just my JPEGs. That's a lot of work to be putting up there, and then one day you got to think of the 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 Holocaust kind of scenario when everything just goes away and. Mm it's over and you lose, you know, they, it's, you get an email one day that says, you know, like I got an email from blip TV. I had some videos on there and I got an email one day that says, Hey, we've changed our business model and we've deleted your videos, by the way. <laughs> you know, <what? laughs> Are you kidding me? I was paying, you know? Right. So it's yeah. just ridiculous. You know, so that kind of stuff just makes me want to go buy more Drobos, you know, and just, <laughs> keep it, just keep filling them up or something. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, G? Is, I mean, is there, is there a solution to this? Because you're digital. If something, if your city, you're in Austin, right? If your city gets hit by the, by a, you know, an EMP pulse, you're screwed. <laughs> Everything's gone. <laughs> yeah, at that point, I'm worried about more stuff than my photographs, you know? <laughs> I'm like, and I'm going to get like a leather jacket with spikes and an old Ford and put a jacket on it. Two men into, one man leaves. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, if we look at like how we have like floppy disks, and then we have optical media, and then optical media goes away, and now we kind of have hard drives, and hard drives eventually will get replaced by solid state, and then we also have the cloud. And I think that that um, I think that going forward, at least for me, as I see myself doing more and more of my workflow in the cloud. So yeah. like when when I'm traveling, I shoot to my iPad, and when I'm in Wi-Fi, and sometimes when I'm not on Wi-Fi, I let it back it all up, and it goes two places. It goes to Google Drive, which makes these amazing auto awesomes and stuff for G Plus, and then it goes to to Dropbox, and then probably I'll also have a go to the uh, the Apple Cloud service yeah. and um, let it all get figured out. But I think I think what's going to be amazing, and I think Adobe's kind of ahead of the curve, is when you can go into Lightroom. On, on your, and you can shoot into it in your tablet, hopefully soon video, and then you, you, you get on your, your, your computer in your office or whatnot, and you have everything there, and there it is. Right. So what if you're traveling and you're shooting, and then you have your, the person behind the scenes 
working on on your photos. I, I, that's kind of where I see this stuff going, at least for me. Um, but as far as having uh, Drobos and all that, for me, it's it's you um, want it in the cloud. I, yeah, no, I understand. I, yeah. That's, that's utopian. I mean, that's a utopian vision. But then when you think about the cloud, you, you guys, you got it. You know, I know you both know this, but the cloud is hard drives with a terms of service attached to it, right? It is, so, right. That's so why you got it's like it's going into this mythical, you know, bulletproof storage area. It's actually going to somebody's server farm and living on hard drives over there mm-hmm. that you have to pay to access or you know, so some other way commit to be able to access. So it's not like it's it's a different tech than you have in, on your computer, right? So I don't know. Mm. I'm scared. I think I think the bottom line is I'm scared. I keep making more data, and I have no place to put it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We're making tons of data. Now we're starting to shoot 4K video. Well, yeah. what do you think next? It's 8K. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, I know. At, at some point, the data is going to be so intense. I mean... We're going to, of course, get bigger hard drives and, and solid state and whatnot, but we got to be able to have a solution to manage the data appropriately. You know, by then, no one will care because we'll be out of water and fossil fuels. <laughs> so people <laughs> will forget all about that stuff when that happens. <laughs> right? hey, you know, the thing is, though, we have to keep it, keep it um, you know, the, the relationship as well. Because, I mean, I, I bought a 400 gigabyte, uh, sorry, a, a 400, a 4 terabyte. Uh, hard drive last week for less than $160. Yeah, uh, me too. And, I got two of those. Yeah. I mean, I, I've started to now when I when I add storage or replace a, a faulty hard drive in my Drobos, I'm buying four terabyte ones. And even with the Western Digital, um, I think it's the black or the, I forget which one's the mid-range, um, yeah. a good NAS drive, it's still only costing me just over $200. And that's in Japan, so it may be even less in the U.S. now. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, four terabytes of data... Um, even if you, if you don't trust it, buy two and mirror them. You know, I, I think that I still would like to see it in my, you know, actually in my um, my office first initially. Um, but as as to what what Julio was saying there, you know, I I get it in 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 your shooting um, regime. You know, the way you actually work, it makes a lot of sense. For me, when I travel, I've usually got either no or virtually no internet. You know, you like. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm talking like the middle of nowhere in Iceland, in in Antarctica, uh, Namibia. I'm in a desert and stuff like that. You know, so a lot of the time, although in Japan we've got coverage everywhere, it's brilliant. So I, in in my Japan tours and and where when I'm out doing personal projects, I could shoot exactly the way that Julio's saying. But a lot of the time, that doesn't make sense to me. I've got to have local copies. And so I mean, I still would I would still prefer if if I'm just everything sits locally. And then the cloud for me is just a backup. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a it's it's a scary it's a scary <laughs> issue. It is yeah. definitely a scary issue. But yeah, like G says, it's a you know these 4K cameras. And G, I know yeah. you're going to talk about one a little bit later. They're generating data, and we're shooting more. And we're in better cell phones that are more and more of our lives are digital. You know, it's not just oh. photos. It's it's photos oh, yeah. and audio and text yeah. and it's media. You know, we're we're oh. comprised of media. And and expected instant on bulletproof connectivity. That's the norm. You know, the internet now. I think someone said this way back, like five or ten years ago. We're talking about how the internet would become so ubiquitous that it would be like your your water and your plumbing system in your house. When you turn the faucet, it just works. You don't care that it works. You just know that it's going to work every single time you turn it on. Back then, you know, internet was just sort of ramping up to becoming ubiquitous. 
and now we're there, right? You expect it's just there. You walk in your house and you know you're going to be connected to your Wi-Fi. You don't have to do anything. You just know it's there. And you know, when all that if something happens and that goes away, like Martin, you're traveling and you're in Namibia or you're in um, in Iceland in the middle of nowhere and it breaks, you know? Yeah. It just breaks. So you you know, one one thing that you made me think of there as well, Frederick, is is I I mean, I've I've got the um the Mac, the sorry, the Apple um, Wi-Fi boxes, the new tall tower Wi-Fi yeah. stations, mm-hmm. and and I I can sit on my on my um, 15 inch Retina um, MacBook Pro in my living room downstairs, and I actually sync my Lightroom libraries between the two. It's 5.6 gigabytes. It takes about 30 seconds to copy over. I mean, even just having Wi-Fi was amazing for a while, but these things are getting so fast. It, it, it would have taken me a week to copy that on one of my first computers, probably more. Right. Um, you know, it's a, I mean, everything, it's just, it's like Moore's Law. It just keeps doubling every year and the prices are coming down. So we live in a great age. I, I think that we're almost there. You were saying earlier, Frederick, we were born like 10 years too early or so. Yeah. I, I agree, but I think that, you know, we, we, we're already seeing a lot of this stuff come true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about the wearable stuff that's coming because I'm oh, looking forward to yeah. the day. Because, like I said, I just got this Xbox One, right? And I can walk into my living room and say, I don't want to say it too loud because it'll work. Um, I I can walk into my living room and say Xbox on, and it will come <laughs> on. And then I could sit down on the couch, not touching anything. I could say, you know, Xbox YouTube or go to YouTube. It will go yeah. to YouTube. Or I could say Xbox Skype Martin Bailey. It'll call yeah. you. You know, yeah. I can have a conversation with you. I was talking to Julio from my couch the other day, you know, and ju- the camera's following me around the room. Yeah, it's just crazy where this stuff is going, and it's still, yeah. you can see where things are going to start melding. Like the Xbox one day will go away, and it'll just be part of the TV, which will yeah. be part of the yeah. wall, you know, yeah. <laughs> which, will, yeah. which will be surrounded in smart glass, you know. So, yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. You, you know, I, I was pretty pretty impressed. A, a few days ago, I was sitting there trying to get my wife interested in her iPhone and I, I, I clicked S- uh, Siri on and I, we use it in Japanese and I, I, I sort of, I said, so, hey Siri, how old are you? And she said, I'm at least old enough to act as your assistant. Um, and I, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was a pretty cool answer. I don't know if, I don't know how it says it in English, but it was, you know, the, the Japanese translation is pretty much, I'm, I'm old enough to, to be a, like a competent assistant for you. And I nice. thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Just, nice. you know, just things, it, I know that someone's sitting there anticipating that question and giving her something to say, yeah. but it's, it's artificial, semi-pseudo-artificial intelligence. Yeah, hopefully it's, it's, it's artificial because, you know, I don't want to get to the point where it's like, Close the pod bay doors, Hal. I can't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I don't need that in my house. Close the garage, Hal. I can't do that right now, Frederick. Yeah. <laughs> that it's would be coming down. What, I mean, your, your, your fridge, you're going to be like, I, I need a beer. And fridge's like, nah, you're over your calories for the day. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> You've had enough. There's some nice, cool water in there, Frederick, but I'm sorry I can't allow you to have any beer. And I've locked the garage, so you can't drive. <laughs> you know, that, hey, that would be good. That, that, that would, would, that would good. solve. That would get rid of a lot of accidents. But yeah. th- that's really funny, though, isn't it? You, you can imagine it's. I think that's it's. Uh, there's been talk for years about once your fridge gets down to like you've only got say half a bottle of milk left, it, it'll automatically order you some more. You know, yeah. so. So we'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden, someone knocks on the door and says, "Here's your groceries that your fridge ordered." It's oh yeah. Cool. yeah, I'm sure Amazon is working on the Amazon the Fire drone. Fridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure they have it on the battle plans. Amazon yeah. Fire Fridge coming soon. 
Um, all right, guys. Uh, I'm gonna skip this next story. We can move this to next week. Um, but let's uh, before I continue. So we started. You guys know we started this show called All About the Gear, right? So that I host with Doug K, who does a fantastic job. We get he gets gear in. He puts it through its paces. And then uh, we get in a hangout, and I pepper him with questions about that particular piece of gear, and we dive into the nuts and bolts of that. So this latest episode, we talked about Julio, the GH4. So that episode just went live today, and we, we tore it to pieces and went inside it and talked about it. And we even had Mr. Dave Dugdale, who's been on the show. He's from Learning DSLR Video, who did a fantastic review of the GH4. He joined the hangout. And we all just talked about the the camera from every conceivable, well, many conceivable angles, not all conceivable angles. But we talked about and got to the root of who it's for, you know, what's what are the issues with the camera, what's good about it, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that stuff. So if you want to check that out, just go to thisweekinphoto.com slash gear, and that will take you to the All About the Gear area on This Week in Photo where you can see that show plus the previous show was about the Sony A6000 which is an amazing camera. People are just lusting over that camera. I had a bunch of people in Paris uh, on Valerie Jardin's workshop that I was just on had that particular camera and were just they had just gotten it before the workshop and were blown away at the image quality and the speed and the focusing and just you know how it was hard to miss a shot with that particular camera especially in street photography. Um, so definitely check it out it's at uh, thisweekinphoto.com slash gear is our All About the Gear show. All right, guys, let's move into some listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer a couple of questions that have been the top, at the top of some of our listeners' minds. And this week's question is from Mark Stowe. He says, I work as an associate photographer in a studio, and occasionally the scenario takes place in which we both may review images uh, and to make a Lightroom collection of the client's favorites. I may then take the project for retouching, and I need a simple way to export the Lightroom collection um, along with all of its metadata, but not the images themselves. So the metadata, but not the images themselves, so he can continue working at his computer. So it sounds like he wants the XMP files, but not the raw files that he can then connect do some some changes to or or keyword and tag and then reconnect it to the uh, to the raw data or the main Lightroom library later. So Martin Bailey, I'm gonna throw this to you first. I know you've had some experience poking around in Lightroom libraries and you're somewhat of an expert in there. What do you think about this question? Yeah, I think it's um, to do what he wants to do. You can just go to the file menu and export as catalog. So you know you select your your collection that you've created with all of your files in. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to export it, there's a number of checkboxes, and you can say whether you want to include the files or not. And if you uncheck that, then it will just export. It will create a catalog. Um, so you will have to split your catalogs just for this scenario. I don't normally – I like to keep everything in one database for searchability and all of that. Yeah. But, you know, for this particular work, workflow scenario, I think it's, it's possibly um, a, an option. Uh, just export as catalog, and then you open that catalog, and it only contains – the images that you had in your collection and all of the XMP or you know all of the metadata is included in the catalog and even if you don't have the images it will remember that in the catalog so then later you could then import that but I'm not really sure how you would go about doing that you might you know but when you when you go back you'd have to figure it out sort of make sure that it actually worked on the on the return you know to yeah. get it out of Lightroom 
you can use uh, exporters catalog but then you'd have to figure out how to get it back in I know that you can import but you know if you if all you want to do is work on a certain subset of images continue to work with them in that in that catalog mm -hmm. and I think that at the, ver at the very minimum what you would do at the end is once you want to put those back into a a larger catalog you may be able to import it but uh, at the very least what you can do is just make sure that you have the images all selected um, hit the S key to save all of the metadata and then it's all in the XMP files as well and so then all you would need to do is to is to just sync that folder in Lightroom you know put it put those images with the XMP files back into your main library uh, into your you know your, the same location as where they were originally and then sync the metadata back in you know sync the folder it'll update all of the metadata and you get your changes back so yeah. um, it, it's certainly doable it's a, there's a little bit of a you know messing around to do but I think yeah. probably exporting as catalog is it's the only way I can think of doing this um, relatively easily I think you're right I mean and then the the brute force way of doing it would be when you export those images as catalog out of Lightroom and you make all your changes to the the metadata externally say they're an external hard drive or something mm. um, you could remove those images from your main library so mm. that when you import them you don't get the the flag that says these are duplicate images or whatever yeah. so you, you yeah. re-import the new fresh images with their new metadata back into your library and you know mm. back into the general prison population well, the, the thing is though he's saying that he doesn't want to actually export the images he just wants to export right. the, you know so That's the meta, but, yeah. you know but I mean I, what you're saying I, I would say that would be a better way to work um, right. and then when you get when you're done I mean you can even export the original files um, so right. when he's done in one catalog, export the files to a location and then just sync that or re-import them, like you say. Yeah. Um, there's there's certainly ways to do it without having to jump through too many loopholes. Yeah, I think that's what I would do. I mean, I like like the messing with XMP files and all that stuff, and or or, or otherwise diving into the database that Lightroom wants to see. I, I'm not comfortable with doing that. You know, I'd rather work the way Lightroom engineers intended and export mm -hmm. that data and then re-import that data later, and then it's all good. You know, it may take a little longer, it may take more space, but, you know, mm -hmm. I understand his question, the impetus of his question is probably speed, right? So just exporting yeah. the metadata or the XMP files is going to be much faster than doing the entire raw library of that selection. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't know. I'd probably suck it up and do the whole thing. Julio, what, what about you? you have anything to add to that? If I'm, if I'm exporting metadata, uh, XMP files, the photos go with it. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm not comfortable with having them stay separate. Um, when you start dealing with a lot of files, man, it can get you're kind of getting into some dangerous water there. Right. You know. Right. So I, I would say experiment like what what Martin was saying um, in that regard on a small library where they're duplicates and you can, if you make a mistake, it's okay. Really proceed with caution in this regard. You, yeah. you know, just let me let me just point out though, he's not what what I was saying doesn't actually export the XMP files. You don't you don't mess with that. All of the information is in the catalog, so it's mm -hmm. it doesn't it won't write the information back to XMP files until it sees the original files. So it's oh, okay. Yeah, I I agree with you, Julio. You know, it you don't want to be taking XMP files away without the without the originals. Um, it's it's really about keeping the information in a catalog. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I think I think the the takeaway from this would be for this listener. What's his name again? His name was uh, Mark Stowe. For Mark Stowe to go in and experiment 
on some non-critical data you know? yeah, yeah. and go through some dress rehearsals and see if you can get it to work, find the holes, find how, what, what particular workflow works best and then do that, you know, don't just, and don't do this on a real job, do it on some, some <laughs> Yeah. So here, here's an here's an insight I, I just had. So we're, you know we're obviously talking about a high level uh, workflow, right? And then you, we were talking earlier about the uh, the, the stream nation. Yeah. You know, I mean, can you can you imagine trying to ha have this conversation on workflow with, say, like you know your 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 mom or your 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 spouse or somebody that's not like technically inclined? It ain't happening, man. And that is where these cloud apps, the one that really gets it right, is going to just change everything. One click, yeah. one click, yeah. Like Steve Jobs was famous for saying, he gives people what they don't know they need yet. You know, so <laughs> like with with this stuff, it's like you know, give us give us something to simplify that we don't know that we need yet, and we're like, oh, of course, of course, I need a little piece of glass that I can touch and make calls on. Yeah. yeah. So cool. All right, guys, let's jump into the picks of the week segment. This is uh, the segment where you guys can recommend something to the this week in photo audience as long as it is somehow related to photography. Martin Bailey, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? Um, I'm going to pick Dave, Del Del Dave Delnia's new Shoot the Look videos from Craft and Vision. Oh, um, okay. the, the great videos. Um, basically, Dave has, has um, works through a number of commercial shoots, the look that, that you often need to get in certain commercial shoots. Mm -hmm. And uh, great videos. Uh, they're available now. A couple of weeks ago they were released, I think. Um, you can you can get to those either you know on the Craft and Vision website, or uh, I've I've got a little write up on it on my website at mbp.ac/stl. Shoot the look, STL. Shoot the look. I love yep. it. Yeah. Cool. All right. See, and that's a cheap pick. Cause how much does that cost? Like five bucks or something? Oh no, the the videos are you know there's I'm sure there's more costs involved. I think it was. I, I'll check. I think it was like thirty dollars. Um, oh. It's it's pretty substantial. Yeah. You know the the um, the craft and vision pricing is gradually going up a little bit. Um, they you as know, it they, should as it should. Yeah. 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 That's good. I mean, because he started, everything was what four ninety nine or five. Yeah, yeah. Five, $5 bucks for a PDF, <clears throat> and yeah, now yeah. you know, you know, that party's over. I think it's it's yeah. time to get paid what these what these things are actually worth, so they can stay in business mm -hmm. and yeah. continue making awesome books. So cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, Julio Shorio, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is a miniature photographer. I'm just kidding. But there he is. <laughs> what is that? I can't even see that. What is that? It's a super, super tiny uh, photographer. Okay. Super All I right. Was, I was actually gonna. I, I had him here because we were gonna talk about the uh, the curb sensor, the first photo they did a diorama, and I was like, I can shoot a diorama with any lens. Oh, any nice. Sensor, but nice. And then I skipped the story, and you're like, man. <laughs> um, no, my my pick of the week is this beast mode. Of a camera, it's the uh, FZ1000 uh, Lumix. This is um, I just got this to evaluate uh, like a week ago, and it's uh, very surprised at at this camera. Uh, what, okay, what is it? It's a fixed lens. It looks like it's right. A fixed lens. It's an equivalent 25 to 400 millimeter lens and 35 millimeter. <laughs> so 25 to 400. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a. I mean, look, look at it. It's like a tuna can. Um, it's crazy. But, so you can see the flag on the surface of the moon with that. 
it's really it's really impressive. Like I've never used a bridge camera before. I used to call these all-in-ones. Yeah. But I guess they're called bridge cameras because you're building a bridge to something. I don't know. But yeah. uh, it shoots 4K video, and it's 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 kind of like um, it's very similar to a GH4 in operation. It's got wireless flash, manual audio inputs, um, like what? a mic port, manual audio control. You got the the flip out screen. What? Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. NFC. It's got the same. I think it has even the same EVF as the GH4. It's um, and it's. I think it retails for like nine hundred bucks. What? Oh, that, that, <laughs> I did crazy. mention those 4K, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's just 4K. Like, wow. And it's super light. And and one thing I found out is that it uses the same batteries as like the old Lumix G5. So you can buy these on Amazon for like ten bucks. Wow. Wow, so is that thing it, out? Because I know I heard rumor that it was coming. Uh, that's the first time I've seen it. Is it is it shipping now or is end it? End of the month. End of the month. End of the month, it's coming out. Okay. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna ship this to you in the next day or so, so you can. Well, send it, it to don't send it to me. Send it to Doug. Doug, K. Doug I'm gonna send it to Doug. Yeah, uh, send it to Doug. But it, wow. let me let me show you. This is interesting. So size wise, it's actually a little bigger than the GH4. With oh the yeah. Thirty five two eight. It looks like the GH4's fat cousin. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's as one of my uh, assistants uh, mentioned. Uh, she said it's girthy. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mostly water weight, so it's okay. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it, I like this camera, though. I mean, it's it's it is like, you know, it's got the one-inch sensor, so it's it's, it's a good size sensor um, for this kind of thing. I think as a travel camera, it's it's a ton of fun. What I've been doing. Because I'm not a nature photographer, but we have all sorts of wildlife that lives uh, in downtown Austin. So I've just been carrying this thing in my backpack. When I see something, I don't have to think, wow, should I get this lens, get that lens? Because I don't like to carry a lot of stuff. So I just yeah. turn this thing on, I zoom, and I'm able to get 4K video of, like, we have these guinea fowl in our neighborhood, and they have, they've had a dozen chicks, and they just kind of wander. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Are you so going to put some footage of that on YouTube so we can check it out? I am. I am. I'm going to put footage for people to download and all sorts of stuff. Because I want to see the low-light performance of that thing. I want to see, you know, rolling shutter, all that stuff. I'm going to let Doug test all that stuff. I'm going to yeah. let him do all, all the, the technical stuff. I'm just kind of doing the how, – how, how would I use this camera? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Wow, 4K, huh? It's crazy. You know, I was, you know, I was watching some YouTube videos today on 4K and just like the GH4 and different different cam- cameras like the Blackmagic cinema camera and all that. And, you know, cuz I was specifically wanting to know, okay, 4K, everybody's talking about 4K all the time, but nothing can display 4K. Not even my awesome Apple cinema cinema display can't show 4K. Nothing can show 4K pretty much right now, even though YouTube is accepting 4K and you can display it, but nothing on the other side can see it, right? So right. The, the consensus that I saw online mostly from even Dave Dugdale echoed this was when you shoot in 4K, A, you're future-proofing, right? Because yeah. eventually things will be 4K, right? So that's a given. So you're future-proofing and your grandkids will thank you for shooting 4K, but then... Also, you can scale down the 4K, and it looks insane when you take a 4K image and scale it down to 1040. It just looks insanely beautiful. Plus, it gives you the the capability to push in on the footage. So, 
you shoot if you shoot a 4K image, it's this big. But of course, 1080 screen is you know the dimensions are this big. You can zoom in on people's faces at 100 percent and still not have any interpolation occur or anything like that. So mm. crazy yeah, stuff. Crazy there's a ton stuff. of benefits to 4K. I mean. I have say the same display you do, but I still see a difference with 4K than I do with say 1080p. It's just like you know an 8 megapixel still picture on your monitor versus a 2 megapixel still picture. You're gonna see a difference, but I think man, when the 4K displays come out for computers that are not you know five six grand, then it'll be like enhancing your images yet again without having to do any work. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah, those screens are coming. They. I was talking with some people at Apps. At, uh, sorry, uh, Azol, the the people that make the crazily insane high quality um, displays, and they uh, they were saying that they they are probably going to be working on one. They, their biggest concern was the cost. They didn't want to. They were asking me how much I would pay for a four K uh, a four K monitor. Not much. And, I, and I'm like, well, okay, I wouldn't. I maybe wouldn't pay double what I'm paying for a normal monitor now. I'd pay a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but but that again, it's Moore's law. You know, that's the that's the new the next normal resolution. Right. So yeah, even you're though not gonna get us out, again, right? I mean, you the the jump from standard six forty by four eighty to HD mm. sixteen by nine widescreen, uh, you know even 720 and then 1080 that was a giant leap and that was demonstrable in the store you could say you want this garbage over here or do you want this beautiful <laughs> these leaves slow motion blowing yeah okay i'll take that one yeah but the jump from 1080 to 4k it's because people like me i'm sitting in my living room look my tv's awesome and i mm. look at it it's like beautiful i'm like like how much more beautiful can it get? <laughs> you know, yeah. especially considering my eyes are degrading over time. <laughs> you know, so. That's a good point, though, because I mean, the, the 4K uh, TVs are are becoming more popular. You know, they're 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 not they're going to be mainstream over the next few years as well. Yeah. So I agree with what you're saying. Future proofing, you shoot shoot in as as higher quality as you can right now because you're going to need it in a few years anyway, just to actually stay current. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think all we got to do is look at what Red's doing, because uh, yeah. Red had 4K years ago, and people were like, "Ah, oh, you're never gonna 4K is not gonna do any." And now it's like they're like on to like 6K. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're on the 5K, they, 6K. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean, but yeah. I mean, so, Sony are doing 8K. Yeah, I mean, eventually, yeah. uh, an 8K is like 7,600 pixels on the long end mm. per frame of video. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's at, at that point. At that point, are you? So much stuff comes up. It's like, is is it the? Where's the decisive moment anymore? Is it in your computer? You kind of. I mean, there's so much stuff that comes up, and and why at that point are you going to shoot just one still frame when you can shoot, 8K <laughs> video? Maybe at that point that, we're doing it raw. Yeah. The decisive yeah. moment changes to the decisive minute, right? <laughs> so now you have a full 60 seconds to figure out where that pole vaulter went over the pole at the right exact spot, and mm -hmm. you can pull that off. But that's a whole nother... I've been experimenting with that, so I'm, I'm excited about that world. I think we're really, really close. And so we're there for a lot of applications in terms of being able to shoot 4K video and harvest it you know, harvest your still photography out of it. We're not there for a lot of things, um, you know, because, you know, especially like on the on the GH4, um, you've got the micro four-thirds sensor, which is not as low light capable as full frames right now. It's just mm -hmm. basic math, but it's better than it was before. I mean, and it, right. it is highly capable for doing, 
I would say pretty much everything a normal carbon-based life form might need, you know, but when you get into, you know, shooting black cats in dark closets or <laughs> things like that, or where you need that ultimate low-light performance, of course, you're going to move to a full-frame, go to something like the Sony A7S, which is, as Doug K is testing right now and showing on his uh, Google Plus page, it's insane in low-light. It's It's... Mm-hmm unreal in terms of like okay my eyes see darkness this camera sees a fully realized low noise image you know so crazy stuff crazy stuff it's all good for us though it's all good Mm. for us photographers Mm -hmm. all right cool all right uh so my pick of the week guys is so clearly i've been doing a lot of research into this video stuff and what it means for photographers and what's next and I came across this channel on YouTube, which I've been addicted to. I think I've watched most of their videos already. Um, but it's called Film Riot, F-I-L-M-R-I-O-T. It's from Revision 3. I know a bunch of people over there. They're really good people. They make some really good web shows. Um, I think they're working with Kelly Lewis, if I'm not mistaken. But the show is called Film Riot, and it is basically a series of short videos usually they're under 15 minutes or so but they dissect a certain aspect of filmmaking and show you how to do it with your regular stuff you know like they might they had an episode on how to recreate the transporter effect from star star trek you know and, and you do it like this you'd shoot this footage you throw it in after effects you put this thing on there you turn this knob and boom you got a transformer transporter you know how to build i'm looking at the page now uh super speed uh, what gear you need for a pro shoot. They do short films. It's just a really well-done, entertaining channel. And the host of that uh, channel is just, you know, you can tell he's been doing it for a couple of years, and he knows what he's doing, you know, and it's just very clean and well-produced. It's like something you'd see on TV, but with YouTube, uh, let's say, lack of restriction. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. So it's definitely a cool channel. Definitely check it out and subscribe to it. I'm subscribed. I'm one of their half a million subscribers right now, so I feel like I'm late to the party, but I'm subscribed to them. And uh, and I think I'm late to the party because I'm just now becoming interested in all the stuff that 4K and video and the GH4 will let me do. And through the magic of the Internet, you know, and we're back to the whole bandwidth thing. I can educate myself and go experience all these cool resources now for this new shiny object that I'm interested in. So, mm-hmm. cool stuff. Cool stuff. It's a good time to be, good time to be a photographer. All right, guys, we are we are at the end, sadly, of another episode of this week in photo. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, our good friends over at Squarespace.com, for their awesome support of the show. So, Mr. Martin Bailey, where can people go to keep up with your antics online and sign up for that workshop that you got lined up and all that good stuff? Well, everything's on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com or in the menus there. You, you can find everything there. martinbaileyphotography.com. Excellent. That's and thanks for coming on, Martin. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I always feel... You you know, I always feel humbled when you come on. <laughs> and Mr. Julio Shorio, also a pleasure having you on. Where can people go to uh, connect with you? Smallcamerabigpicture.com. Small camera big. What's on that site, by the way? What kind of resources do you have? I'm actually, uh, we got some new stuff that's going to be launching soon about gear and lenses and stuff. But we got uh, a lot of Lumix-oriented uh, stuff um, and uh, resources on, on workshops we got coming out. I have three one of which is with you uh, coming up here in the next couple weeks. Um, all sorts of stuff. You just got to get in and, and dig and um, 
subscribe to the site because we got a lot of stuff coming out. That's right. What's what's the work? So since you brought it up, you know, what's what's the workshop <laughs> that you're doing here with me? <laughs> it's a uh, about animated portraits and animated photography. We're going to talk about the concepts and then do a live shoot and show the the whole workflow from capture to to post. Yes, and that's that's actually free. That's part of the This Week in Photo meetup. So go to meetup.com and search for This Week in Photo, or we'll have a link to it on the show notes, or go to Small Camera Big Picture, and Julio will have a link to it there. If it's not already full by the time you go there, I think I think they set the uh, the RSVP limit at something manageable because it's in an awesome space in uh, Campbell, mm -hmm. California, which is not gigantic. So... If you're in the area, definitely sign up soon. And if you've already signed up and you don't plan on coming, don't RSVP. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. People do that all the time. They RSVP and then they don't come. Yeah. Don't do all right. Cool, guys. All right. And uh, if, you know, listeners, be sure to check out the This Week in Photo website, obviously, at thisweekinphoto.com. And if you want to connect with me, you can always find me at my digital home on the web. And that's at Frederick Van. Dot com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.